That's right. This is my birthday episode. I am turning 22 years old. Well, my birthday was two days ago, the 18th. This is the closest podcast episode to my birthday. So we're celebrating it here, folks. It's just going to be me. Wasn't able to coordinate anything because I had something else that I did to kind of celebrate my birthday. I'll talk about it when the episode starts. But the way I want to kick this episode off is, you know, by pretending I'm having a Dominican birthday celebration and it only goes one way the dominican birthday version (laughs) you guys know there's like a black version (laughs) this is the dominican version you know what i mean Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Empty Opinions Podcast with you, Osolati Polanco. This is episode 153, I believe, and you heard it at the beginning. It is my birthday episode. Let me give myself a round of applause. Why not, right? That's right. My birthday, 22 years old. That is crazy, man. I do not necessarily feel 22, but I kind of do. I don't know. I feel I'm very apathetic towards the age 22. I don't know why. I feel like... After you turn 21, to me, it's just like, all right, whatever. It's like now it only your birthday only really matters until you're like 30 again. You know what I mean? It's like the big ages is like probably 13, 14 because you're officially a teenager. Then it's like 18 because you're a legal adult. Then there's 21 where you can legally drink and shit. And then the next one's got to be like 30. That's like the existential crisis age up until this point. You know what I mean? Like 22. 22 here's my theory about ages bro like after you turn 21 like to me there's no such thing as like mid-20s or like late 20s like i don't think anybody even thinks about people of that age because i feel like after you turn like 21 you look the same until you're like 30 and then at 30 is when you kind of begin to age and it kind of shows it's like oh okay you're 30 now but like those nine years like i always wonder like Would there be a difference dating, like, a 22-year-old and, like, a 27, 28-year-old? Like, what would that look like? That's that's something I've been thinking about because I don't know many mid-20s and late-20s. I think I know two people that are, like, mid-20s or close to mid-20s. But I don't really know anybody who's, like, late-20s, like, 27, 28, 29. Because I guess... But that's why it feels weird, because I guess they're kind of technically like adult adults. You know what I mean by that? Like at this age, anybody who's like my age, like 21, 22, can say they're like grown ups or 20. But but you're really not right. Like a grown up to me is like 28 to 30. That's what I consider a real adult. And as you can see with the podcast, I don't have many like I only really have people my age on the podcast. 
I don't know why that is. Like, I don't know why I haven't had more adults. I think the only full-on adult I've had, like, damn near old man, sorry, Dose, is my old Spanish professor, Mr. Dose. He's the only, like, uh, like, (laughs) I almost said really old. I don't mean really old. Like, you know, like, 40s. You know what I mean? He might actually be 50. I'm, I'm not sure. But that's the only person I've had that's old. Otherwise, it's just young people. And I don't know. That so far, I think I'm able to have interesting conversations with people my age, but maybe I should branch out and get on a fucking random ass 27 year old. I don't know. Would that be interesting? How does that sound? I'm going to get a 28 year old on a podcast. I don't know where I could even find those people. That's what I'm saying. Like, like where as a 22 year old, where do you really meet like a 29 year old? Like at a bar, maybe. Right. Like unless I go to random bars and start talking to people, which maybe I should do, but I don't like drinking. But that's what I mean. Like, that's the only time I would, like, find a 29-year-old. I don't interact with many 29-year-olds just on a daily basis. I only really interact with people my age. So, or, like, really old people, like my prof- college professors. I don't know. that the, the, the ages from, like, 24 to 29 is a weird era of people's lives. Because to me, it almost feels like it all blends in. Like, is there really a difference from you t- from the time that you turn 25 to the time you turn 26? Not really. You know what I mean? And that's kind of how it feels now. Because there's not really that much of a difference between 21 and 22 to me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's what I was talking about with the ages. Like, there is actual, like, a, a real difference from, like, 18 to, like, 22. I think there is like from the time you start college to the time you end college, you're comp- you're very different. And then but, but by the time you start high school to the time you end high school, you're like a completely different person. But after college, like, is there a difference from the time you begin grad school to the time you graduate from grad school? I don't know. By the time you get that master's degree, are you a fundamentally different person? I don't think so. So that's why now that I finally turned 21 years old last year. Now it's like my age doesn't really matter. You know, I'll celebrate my birthdays. I'll do fun shit. But in terms of my age, you know, it's fun because, you know, 22 is a Taylor Swift song. So that's cool. And next year, you know, it's going to be the GOAT's number, Michael Jordan. That's right. He's still the GOAT. Fuck LeBron. (laughs) Um, But after that, I don't know what's 24, 24 hours in a day, 25, you know, 25 to life. Hopefully I'm not. I don't get that by the time I turn 25. How sideways would my life have to go that like three years from now, I'm in a 25 to live kind of situation. Like what would have to happen? (laughs) Like, you know how if that happens, listen, if by the time I'm 25, I'm like in prison facing 25 years to life. That's proof that free will exists. That's all I'll say. But I got all over the place. None of that I just said. None of that age rent was part of my plan to start off this episode. Um, The way I want to start off this episode is to talk about what I did four days of the time that you're listening to this. Uh, The 16th, I decided to celebrate my birthday by renting out a theater and watching Spider-Man No Way Home. Which, on top of me talking about my you know, celebration and renting out this theater, which is an interesting experience. I'm also going to be talking about No Way Home. It might get into spoilers a little bit because by the time Monday comes around, I feel like that's kind of acceptable, you know, warning people that I will talk about spoilers. 
But like by that time, if you really wanted to see it, you should have seen it. You were able to see it. 72 hours is enough. More than that. 90, 96 hours. Because, you know, like I did, people got to watch it all the way on Thursday. Um, so, yeah, I want to talk about that, that. So for my birthday, I thought, you know, it would be because I realized like two months ago, like in October, I was just like, oh, I just peeped. Like when the trailer for the new Spider-Man movie came out, I'm like, oh, shit, it comes out the 17th. That's like a day before my birthday. That will, I think I'm definitely going to try to watch that for my birthday. But at a certain point, I was like, yeah, that would be cool. But like it would be kind of isolated. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if I want to celebrate my birthday like by myself so i said okay i guess i can invite people and then i think a light bulb went over my head like oh i have seen that these like renting out theaters has become more and more prevalent because of the pandemic a lot of you know theater chains have been losing a lot of money so i said you know what fuck it that actually sounds like a good idea and so i put that out as an idea like i tweeted it out i was just like i want to rent out a theater for my birthday which i tweeted that out and to be honest, it didn't seem feasible at the time I tweeted it out. Is that manifestation? Maybe. Maybe that, uh, you know, I do think manifestation works. I didn't necessarily did that as a manifestation. I was just putting out there that I would like to do that. But when it, by the time I said that, like two months ago, it was kind of a rough idea. I wasn't like dead set on doing that. And, you know, if it wouldn't have happened, I wouldn't have been mad at it because I'd be like, okay. It was one of those ideas was like, oh, that'd be cool, but you don't really consider it as being like a real or like wanting to actually do it. It only dawned on me that I should do it when the tickets went on sale or like, I don't know when. I think it was about a, it's actually like two weeks ago that I, I had some free time. I was in my apartment in front of my laptop. I was, you know, setting up my AMC account and I'm like, oh shit, I did say I want to rent out a theater. Let's try to, let's look into this. I, I just so happened to be free at that moment and say, fuck it. That came to my head and I went looking and I wasn't able to find any theater like the day of my birthday, like the Saturday, like two days ago, the 18th. Um, I wasn't able to find a time. They were all, you know, sold out. And then I kept looking on Friday and then, you know, I looked on Sunday and, you know, like the main weekend I knew wasn't going to happen, but I just looked at Thursday which I didn't even think of because I, I kind of forgot. Because when you think of movies that come out, you think The weekend. You don't think Thursday. Like, to me, that's always been, like, an enthusiastic guy wanting to see the movie before anybody else. Which, in this case, was ideal because I didn't want to get it spoiled. But when I clicked on that Thursday date, there was one theater that was free. And, and it was one that was close to me, to my to my residence. And I said, fuck it. All right, let's see. Let's see. Um, 20 tickets. And it was only $250. And I'm like, damn, this is a fucking steal. You know what I mean? Especially for the fact that if it was it was for No Way Home, you know what I mean? Like one of the most anticipated movies of the year. Movie that's looking like it's going to break at the very least $150 million opening weekend domestic. You know what I mean? Like for that kind of movie, I was like, oh, shit. Okay, well, let you know, let's fucking... Let, let me take advantage of this. I don't I don't even know if I had the money to do that. I think that purchase kind of fucked up my <laughs> my my <laughs> the way my money was set up. You know, what's the meme? The way my bank account is set up, like the way it is set up, it fucked it up completely. And I think I'm still recovering from that. But I just had to do it in the moment because I was like, 
this is such a steal. I can see this like being gone and like by the time I refresh this page. And I always knew it was a steal. It always felt like a steal, especially like I said, the fact that it was for No Way Home, a really anticipated movie. So I bought the ticket and you know, then it was then the next step of all this after I bought the 20 tickets was like, okay, now I got to get everybody. Now I got to get 20 people to show up. And guys, I had no idea that shit was was as hard as it is. Getting 20 people together in the same place, like adults, not like 13-year-olds. You know what I mean? Like 13-year-olds don't do nothing. Like full-on adults trying to get them in one room is fucking hard. People have lives. People have fucking responsibilities. Some people may not even be in the state when you try to invite them. It's just like life. Like, you never know where anybody is. And, you know, I guess I, I didn't really peep, consider that when I bought the 20 tickets. That was just the max amount of tickets. And I said, fuck it. I think I could get 20 people dead wrong. You know, I, I, I mistook knowing more than, like, 20 people to invite for, like, getting... 20 people to show up that part is hard like i thought oh no i know enough i know i know i know enough people but that's not the issue it's just getting them there and some people obviously couldn't go it ended, it ended up being like around 14 people uh so six short which even 14 people is big but it gets less impressive when you realize my sister invited like four people <laughs> so five of those 14 was just my sister and her friends and then the rest of the people, you divide it in two because they brought, like, a plus one. Because, I mean, I just had too many tickets. You know what I mean? Like, I was just trying to get everybody there. And also, you know, you want to do that so they feel comfortable so they're not in a fucking corner just by themselves. But I was able to rent out the theater. 14 people showed up. It was great. We got there. You know, it was it was interesting because as soon as I stepped inside of the theater, I'm like, what the fuck? Because it was like 110 tickets. It, or 110 seats. And I'm like, oh, what the fuck? How did this theater even allow me? It felt like I hit the meanest lick. Like, if I could have done a TikTok, if I if I, if I I would, if I did TikToks, I would have recorded me coming into that theater, seeing it empty, being like, I just hit the meanest lick on this AMC, 14 people for this 110 seat, you know, screen for only this amount of money. I hit the meanest lick. I kind of did. So that's how I felt when I walked in there. I'm like, damn, I can't believe they let me get away with this. But then again, fuck them. You know what I mean? It's a big corporation. Whatever. If they let me do it, then I have no no shame. But yeah, so I rented out of the theater, which I think it's cool, by the way. I, I just want to say renting out a theater to see No Way Home of all movies, you know, renting out a theater in and of itself is cool, I think. Like, just getting a bunch of people that can make as much noise as you want, be comfortable. There's not going to be random people showing up. Well, actually, there was one random person that showed up, but I'll get to that in a second. But I just think the idea of renting out of the theater is cool. And then the fact that you couple it with No Way Home, literally the most anticipated movie of the past two years. Two years. You know, put those together. And I'm like, I felt like the fucking man, bro. Like, I was I was like, I couldn't believe it. I was like, what the fuck? How did I get away with this? This is so cool. This is a cool and memorable way to celebrate my birthday. Granted, it was two days before my actual birthday. But still, I thought it was cool. Um, So I just wanted to big myself up for that one. I think that's pretty cool. Just saying that I rented out a theater. You know, that's why I wanted to break it down. Because it's not as impressive as it sounds. 
But just if, if you don't get any details, you would think, oh, this man is balling. You know what I mean? I'm not. I kind of am, but I'm not, you know. <laughs> I kind of am. <laughs> I'm kind of balling. You know, who the fuck says that? Yeah, guys, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of balling. I'm kind of a baller myself. You know, I'm something of a baller myself. <laughs> Stupid. Um, but yeah, there was this one random guy that uh, I guess was trying to, you know, theater hop. And he came into my theater that was rented out. And, you know, I th there was nobody like sitting next to me, right? I left to get some concessions. Or like I was just checking on the people that were supposed to be in the screen. Um, so I left and came back. And then this motherfucker's like a, about a seat apart from me. And I don't know who the fuck he is. And I'm like... I'm like looking it's like but, but who, who like in my mind I'm like who the fuck is this? Cuz I guess I didn't consider that somebody could have just snuck in, which they could have. But I didn't consider that consider that at all. I'm just thinking like, oh, this must be like somebody's friend. And what's funny is that every single person that saw that man walk into that screen thought the same thing. They were like, that that's got to be somebody's friend, I guess. Um but I had to like lean forward to him and be like, yo bro, who are you with? He's like by himself. I was like, because this is a rented theater. You know what I mean? And I don't know. You guys tell me if this approach was weird or not. This is how I approach the situation. Because with, with this whole thing, you know, me, the fact that I organized this and I was, you know, checking on people from time to time and everybody. So I was just kind of in like host mode. And when I'm in host mode, I'm very like, uh, I was in a very dominant mode in terms of like very direct, making sure everything's good. You're good. You're good. You're good. Like, you know what I mean? Like when I'm in host mode, that's what I'm doing. And so the way that I talked to this man, I, I, I probably scared him off. I was just like, I ended up telling him, I was like, look, you can stay in the theater if you want. It's rented out. Ain't nobody else coming. But you got to get out. Of, you got to sit somewhere else, which it sounded wrong as I was saying it, but I don't want to sit next to somebody I don't fucking know. Like, he can enjoy the movie, but I don't want to, like, sit next to him. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I don't know if that's fucked up or not, but that's how I felt. I was just like, like, I don't, I don't, I felt uncomfortable sitting next to somebody I don't know. But I have no problem with him, like, sitting somewhere else and enjoying the movie. Like, I have no issue with that. But I think the way that I approached him was very serious. Like, yo, bro, I rented out this theater. You can sit anywhere you want. You just can't be sitting. But can you sit somewhere else, please? Like, very serious. I don't know. I, I think that scared him off. Because he ended up going sitting somewhere. And then he just left. And I was like, oh, man. Like, I actually kind of felt bad. Because I'm like, I don't want you to, like, leave it. Like, you could sit somewhere and just watch a movie. But I think I did kind of scare him off a little bit. And, you could, and I could tell he was nervous. Because he even when I asked him, like, what's your theater? Like, he was kind of bumbling. And he was trying to come up with something on the spot. And he should have stayed, man. I'm like, I wonder, did he think I was, like, older? Like, did he think I'm in my, like, 24 to 29, like, lost age range? I don't know. I don't see myself as being that old. Or I don't think I look old. Maybe he thought I was old or something. But, yeah, I, I wish he wasn't. I hope he wasn't intimidated. He may have been because he just left. But if he was, I wish he wasn't. But that was funny because I just, I don't know. <laughs> just a random guy just sitting next to me and nobody knows what the, who the fuck it is. Because, <laughs> I mean, again, it's probably not common to rent out a theater. 
it's more common than it's ever been because they've made it cheaper, but it's not that common. Um, but yeah, that was fun. That was my, uh, you know, renting out a private theater experience again. I'm something of a baller myself. Um, <laughs> but yeah, man. So, so that was that. But in terms of the actual movie, cause I actually like the fact that I made my birthday about the movie because I didn't want to make, I, you know, I like the idea. I like watching shit with other people like that communal watching experience. I like it. So, you know, instead of just going to a birthday, going to see the movie by myself or throwing a birthday party where I would be the center of attraction. Like that, I feel like that's actually a good way to celebrate yourself without actually making yourself the center of attention. And I like that. You know what I mean? Like everybody was just looking ahead, watching the big screen. I, I was just happened to be the one that threw it up. They, they threw it all together and I invited them. But yeah, it was just a cool, it was a cool experience, but honestly, I, it didn't, I don't know because I was the one that threw it. I was kind of like the host. I don't know. I didn't feel I, I didn't have a lot of fun, but I was told that people had fun and they enjoyed their time. So because I guess ultimately anybody can enjoy the movie and I don't know. It, it, it's weird. It's weird because I'm like, I, sh I didn't want to be the center of attention, but also I definitely didn't feel like the center of attention while the movie was on, obviously. So it's just like, oh, I'm just watching a movie. And I guess that's, that wasn't my expectation in my head. I don't know. You, you know what I'm trying to say. But oh, if if they all had a good time, that's all I give a fuck about. So it doesn't matter that I feel a little like. And also the, the movie, I'll get into No Way Home now. I'm going to actually talk about my experience watching No Way Home, my non-spoiler review. And then like probably a very quick spoiler review. Um, and I'll warn you guys when the spoilers are coming at you. But I think the other thing that made the experience a little bit weird is because I didn't love the movie. I really liked it. And I think it's very well made. And anybody who's a diehard Spider-Man fan is going to love it. It just turns out I'm not a big Spider-Man fan. I think that's what I realized while watching the movie. I was just like, oh, I'm not that big of a Spider-Man fan. Like none of these moments are like blowing my mind. They kind of are in just in a, a you know, a, 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 a hypothetical sense or like. I don't know how to describe it. Like, on a meta level, like, the fact that this movie happened did blow my mind. But what was I, what I was actually seeing, it didn't really blow my mind. And I didn't really get as emotional as a lot of people did. I don't know. I wasn't as engaged as a lot of other people were because there are some, like, diehard Spider-Man fans out there. A lot of them weren't watching the movie. So, um, but yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm fully talking about No Way Home now. Like I said, I really liked it. It's crazy how Marvel, like, I want to use the, the, the Aaron Paul th meme, like. You can't keep getting away with it. How the fuck did they nail another big crossover event? Like, they did it with Infinity War. Well, they've done it kind of with every Avenger. They did it with the first Avengers. They did it with Civil War. They did it with Avengers. Well, they kind of did it with Ultron. That's the one of the probably worst Marvel movies. They did it with Infinity War. They did it with Endgame. And now they did it with fucking Spider-Man with No Way Home. I don't know how they can keep getting away with this. I, I don't know how they do it. But yeah, man, it was very well done. And the way they approached it was very well done. You know what I mean? It's almost like 
The reason this movie works is because they kind of put some care into it. It didn't feel generic. And I think that's why it matters. And also, they did fan service right. Because, you know, a lot of people are com are complaining about fan service. Like, this movie's fan service the movie. You know what I mean? All I see is fan service. But I think sometimes fan service without any depth under it can, you know, get boring or stale very quickly. So it's not like the movie's only good because it's fan service. I think it's because... The icing is the fan service, but then the, 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 the substance, the cake, the cupcake, is the emotion that was under it. And the, the story that it was telling and the character development, the arcs that everybody in this movie went through. I think that's what made it good. I think that's why you talk to anybody and be like, yeah, that was good. Because you get both. You get the, the, the superficial kind of, you know, referential, like, fan service bullshit. But you also get a good story under that. And that pre that pleases both crowds. Both the, the shallow crowd and the, you know, the the cynical crowd. They all like it. So I think the fact that they were able to get away with another crossover event, uh, crossover event that was good just shows that. And here's an overall point. Stepping away from this movie, it's kind of scary what the fuck Marvel can do at this point, bro. Like, even recently, I was just reading a news story that they want to get Jackie Chan for part two of Shang-Chi, and they very well can, because Marvel can fucking do anything, and that along with Disney. There's a weird monopoly with the Marvel movies and the Disney movies and all that shit, where I just feel like now, and this movie is proof of it, they can just do whatever the fuck they want, and I feel like that's a little too scary for entertainment, if you know what I mean, like, there's always a thing with creatives that they tell you all the time, it's like, you know, limitations actually makes shit can make shit really good because you have to come up with creative ways to get around certain hurdles. Marvel is like, there's no fucking hurdles. They can do anything, bro. Like it's mind blowing. When I was watching No Way Home, I'm like, bro, a large part, a big reason this movie works is because of the certain things they do that you would think are impossible. Same reason why I loved Endgame. Like, when I first watched Endgame for the first time, I was just like, how the fuck is this possible? I'm watching the movie in awe. Like, how is this real? This doesn't even feel real. How could anybody even put this in a movie? It, it, it I felt the same way with this one to a lesser extent because I'm not that big of a Spider-Man fan. But I was like, how the fuck can they do this? Just like, even legally. Just like, if you want to talk logistics, the fact that they can get away with the shit they did in this movie... Is very scary. Very scary. Because it's like, oh, so Marvel can just do whatever. Any movie they make, like, they're able to do whatever the fuck they want. That should be a scary that should be a little bit scary. And you know, I find it interesting that just a couple months ago, or like a month ago, wasn't it in November then Eternals came out? Just a month ago, they tried to do something kinda unique and standalone-ish. I haven't seen the movie. But it did seem like it's supposed to be standalone. I mean, the characters in it were standalone from the, you know, the whole MCU and just the universe in general. That's like the premise of the movie. And that movie sucked ass. It's like a 45% now on Rotten Tomatoes. People really didn't like it. It was very divisive. So, But then they do this, that it's not standalone, but people love it. I don't know. See, this is why I'm... I'm I, I, I think I'm getting to the root of it. I think the a big reason why this movie works is because it, they almost kind of, they use a cheat code. 
and they execute that cheat code perfectly, but it's still a cheat code because with a lot of regular movies, with non-crossover event movies, you have to create a good movie with like a solid emotional, like, you know, uh, uh, ground level. And like race, and you know, you have to come up with so many things to try to make it good within the span of that movie. And that's what a lot of movies are not good at. They're not able to get it to a certain point where like people are satisfied without knowing nothing before and then knowing everything at the end. And in that short amount of time, accomplishing that shit. The reason I say these Marvel movies, specifically No Way Home, is kind of like a cheat code, is because <laughs> the 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 ground level is already pretty high. And they're able to, like, take it up a notch and make it even better, which makes everybody lose their fucking mind. Like, this shit is amazing. This one tweet I saw, Spider-Man No Way Home is the greatest movie of all time. <laughs> Not ironically. And that tweet makes me laugh every time I read it because it's like, bro, <laughs> what would compel you to tweet that? Like, I would be ashamed to tweet that. Even if you truly do feel like that's the best movie of all time, don't say that shit. <laughs> Saying Spider-Man No Way Home is the it's like literally the best movie ever made. <laughs> that shit is so fucking crazy, bro. That shit is ridiculous. But that's like my meta analysis of No Way Home. I enjoyed it, but if you really break it down, it's kind of unfair. It's unfair and it's scary and it's a cheat code. And what they did, they should not be able to do, but they are able to do it. And it works. The people that you see in this movie, like I was thinking about the people that you see in this movie, right? I'm still, I don't think I'm going to get into spoilers anymore. I think I'm getting my point across um, without having to really spoil anything. But the people you see in this movie, you're just like, I was thinking about this earlier. Like, what would have happened if they just said, no, I'm not, I don't, I don't want to come back to this movie. Like even characters you see in the trailer, like Doc Ock or like Green Goblin you know, uh, Electro, Jamie Foxx. Like, if they just said, nah, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be in this movie. What do you do? You kind of have to work around it. Uh, but I, I can't even imagine how much fucking money they offered a lot of the people that you see in this movie to be in this movie. It's just like, bro, that's what's scary. It's like they probably had millions of dollars they could just offer. Like, you know what I mean? It's almost like, a, you know... I'll give you, like a godfather, like, I'll give you an offer you cannot refuse. It's weird, man. The, the, the shit that Marvel... Marvel is really changing the fabric of what a movie can be and what it stands for and what it is. And I don't even mean it in a bad way. I just mean it into, like, it just is what it is. That's actually what's happening. Like, you, you see so many directors come against Marvel, and I think it is because they see kind of Marvel... You know, it's different from, like, old school... Because my argument for Marvel has always been... There has always been big block, blockbuster movies. There's always been bad blockbuster movies. You know, people only, be, people only remember the good ones. But there's a lot of movies that have made a lot of money, like before the 2000s, that were ass and made a lot of money. Now, they weren't all good, you know? People forget that because, oh, Jurassic Park, which I'm, I haven't even seen Jurassic Park. I want to watch Jurassic Park just so I can shit on it because I bet you it's not as good as people make it out to be because people just remember that shit from their work kids. And they hype it up. But I bet you it's not that good. But regardless, there's always been these big blockbuster movies, right? That are bad. Or not bad, just like they're meant to entertain people. But what Marvel's doing, it's like making blockbusters like a TV show. 
You know what I mean? It's it. I don't even know really. That's the best way I can describe it. It's like a TV show, where like everything is interconnected and like, it's no more. It's it's. You know what it is? It's like Marvel with their cinematic universe. Them pioneering that. The only people who've ever really done that. I'm sure other people have done that, but I mean like really to the highest extent you could do it. Like the thing with cinematic universes is the fact that like. Every single movie that comes out in the Marvel Universe is just building on top of each other and creating itself like a lore. It's not like a sequel. It's, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. It's like, it's, yeah, it's just they're all building on top of each other in a way that every time like a good or a new Marvel movie comes out, like for example, let's use Eternals for example, right? Eternals comes out as ass, but even though it is ass, it slowly or it slightly raises the I don't want to say ground because there's a word for it. What the fuck is a word? It's like there's a ceiling and there's a, a whatever. I'll say ground like the ground. Every time a new Marvel movie comes out, it slightly goes up. So it's going to get to a point where like there's so many fucking Marvel movies come out that unless somebody royally fucks it up. Like Eternals did. It's just going to keep the ground of enjoyment. It's just going to, you know, the bare minimum of enjoyment is going to keep getting better, 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 better to the point. It's like every movie is going to be like 90%, which it already kind of is like almost every single MCU movie is like 90% Rotten Tomatoes because every single time a new one comes out, there's a new element that can add to the next movie and a, a level of familiarity that people like, obviously. The fact that this movie is making so much money in the critical reception shows that it's weird. What Marvel's doing is really fucking weird, bro. It's it's it, it never seen before. I don't know where it goes. I don't know how it stops. It has to stop at a certain point because every everything ends. But I don't know wh when or how it does. I I can't really see it. But in the end, I really <laughs> I had fun watching No Way Home. That's <laughs> I mean that's why these movies are fucking unbeatable. Because at the end of the day, you can always go back to I had fun. And how can you beat that? How can you be fun? You can't be fun. Martin Scorsese, if people have fun watching these movies, then you can't tell them not to have fun. <laughs> you know, all these directors can come out against Marvel all they want, but it's like, if the people who are watching the movie are having fun watching the movie, <laughs> you can't tell them, no, you can't have fun. That shit is ass. <laughs> Which is what a lot of these directors are doing. They're basically saying, no, no, your experience is invalid. You know what I mean? The fact that you had fun doesn't matter, dog. That shit is ass. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, it's crazy. It's crazy. No Way Home as a movie kind of breaks my brain to the point that I kind of have a headache right now. All right, man, I'm going to take a quick break. I'm going to take it to housekeeping to let you guys what's happening in the Empty Opinions universe. And then we'll come back with some pop culture topics. All right, guys, we are here in housekeeping and we're going to keep this house as clean as possible, unlike my actual apartment, which is kind of clean on the surface, but then you start digging in and like looking through the fucking cabinets and shit, and you see there's some shit I have to clean. First, let's start with my last reaction I just posted on the YouTube channel. My reaction to the unbearable weight of massive talent, the teaser, the Red Band teaser trailer. It is the latest Nick Cage movie. It's a comedy about Nicolas Cage playing himself. Like an, a comedy action coming out from Lionsgate. So I did reaction to that trailer. It's doing pretty good compared to my latest. Like besides the Aries album reaction, all the other reactions have been kind of ass. Like none of them cross like 1K. And if any reaction has a chance to do it before 
it's all said and done it's probably going to be this one i just put out so go check that out go you know look at the trailer go watch the trailer first and then see my reaction to it uh because my reaction is not a, a a a product substitute i don't know there's some fucking legal mumbo jumbo i have to say because when you're doing a reaction it has to be transformative and I think mine's is. I do plenty of editing. It's my, you know, I offer insight over my reaction. I don't know. I, I'm talking as if the fucking the copyright makers of YouTube are watching this. They may be. Um, and speaking of YouTube, where you can find the reaction, you can also, you know, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Um, so you can see all the reactions that I put out, the podcast, the video versions of the podcast. Um, that's about it right now. I'm just so busy. I don't have time for more. But anytime I get any free time, you best believe some extra content comes. You know, you may get a uh, episode of the EP show, which I haven't done in th three months, three four months. When back when uh, a CLB came out, Certified Lover Boy, the last episode of that podcast was my review of it. Um, but yeah, if you subscribe to the YouTube channel, you won't miss any of the video episodes of this podcast or the reaction videos. So make sure you do that. You know, hit the notification bell so you know when the videos come out. Uh, like this video on any video you watch on there really helps. Comments, you know, let your voice be heard. I'm reading all the comments. So if you want to say something about whatever the fuck you want to say uh, something about, just, you know, drop a comment. I'll read it and, you know. I'll acknowledge your thoughts and share the channel. Oh, fuck. Dominican X came out, not channel channel. Well, share that. You know, it's when you when I use that, when I have to go back and forth between SH and CH, it fucks me up. I either say share this channel or share this channel, share this channel. That's good. Uh, to your friends or this podcast or any reaction video, however the fuck you want to spread the word, be greatly appreciated. Um, and also, if you listen to the podcast through the podcast app, especially on Apple Podcasts, make sure to rate and, and you know rate and review the podcast. Give it a five star rating and leave a review saying why well, it's a five star podcast. Even if you don't think it's a five star rating. Give it a five star rating, and then as the review, just shit all over the podcast. But at the very, at the very least, give me the five, five fucking stars, please. I would greatly appreciate that. Um, that's that for those places where the content is and can be found. Kind of had a mini stroke. A mini stroke. I can't talk. I can't say coherent sentences. It's over. Throw it away. Pause this podcast. Delete it doesn't fucking work anymore it's fucking glitch it's a fucking glitch fuck i can't talk um you can check out my personal social media at eladio talks on twitter well let me spell it e-l-a-d-i-o talks on twitter instagram and letterbox letterbox is where i live my movie review thoughts so you can check me out there if you want to know what the fuck is going on in my life if you want to know what's going on in the empty opinions universe on your favorite social media apps, you can check out at my empty opinions, my empty opinions, not like mine, like Eladio's empty opinions. I mean, like my empty opinions. That's the official way to spell it on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I'm on TikTok, guys. I'm cool. I'm hip. I know what's going on in the youth. Um, 
you can check out the website. Um, it costs me a lot of money every month, so I would appreciate it if you visit it at least once. Just to see what the fuck is going on over there. EmptyOpinions.com. There you can find literally everything, so that could be your one hub. If you're not on the socials, you just want to know what the fuck is going on, go straight there. EmptyOpinions.com. And if you would like to support the channel in any way you can, you could do so by using Cash App or Venmo. The links are going to be in the description to not only the support that you can give me if you so please and you like the content that's coming out of this channel and brand. Mind you, it's all me, so it would kind of be going to me, but it will be for me to keep it afloat until it's so big. There's many other people working on it, but you could do so, you know, through Cash App and Venmo. Like I said, the links are going to be in the description of this episode alongside everything else I just mentioned. But I think that's it for uh, housekeeping. So, yeah, let's go back to the episode. All right, and we're back, and um, I want to talk about some quick pop culture topics I can just kind of run through really quickly, maybe like five minutes tops. I don't want to make this episode long. Um, I don't want to make these topics long. Let's talk about Roddy Rich's latest album, Live Life Fast, which literally came out, you know, on Friday, last Friday, the same day that Spider-Man came out. Uh, you know, highly anticipated album. You know, Roddy Rich kind of became a mainstay in the hip hop scene when he dropped Please Excuse Me for Being Antisocial, which he dropped around this time two years ago before the pandemic even happened. That's crazy. He dropped it in December. And I remember like listening to it I'm like this shit is really fucking good. And also being surprised not a lot of people were talking about it because at that point, it's not like, you know, Roddy Rich was like this big name that it is now. At that point, it was just kind of like one of the cool artist that was coming up that's making great melodic rap music um and then he dropped that album and i remember listening to it like damn this shit is actually really good um and then obviously the box kind of somehow became the hit of that album and then you know the rest is history um beating justin bieber and all that like the box basically ruled all of january um and that really helped like his narrative for people to check out the album, like, oh, shit, this shit is actually good. And then, you know, it really helped them. Justin Bieber dropping a really mid song and really wanting it to be the number one song of the year really helped Roddy Rich. It's very interesting. But after that, you know, Roddy Rich is an interesting artist. And the way he decided to approach putting out Live Life Fast, which before was, it was another name for it, like All Smiles or some shit like that, is going through different, like, album titles. But the rollout for this, and just him as an artist in general, is very interesting because it's almost like a, I don't want to say unwarranted cockiness, because Antisocial was a good album. And in me saying even Antisocial, I just remembered that there was supposed to be a Kendrick Lamar feature on that album. What the fuck ever happened to that song? He didn't put it out here. Maybe he's going to be in the Kendrick Lamar albums. Roddy Rich is going to be on there. But yeah, like that album was really, really good. But that was, you know, I don't know if it, it wasn't like to pimp a fucking butterfly to keep talking about Kendrick Lamar. Like it wasn't that good that to me justified the approach that he used for this album, which is basically one single in two years literally only he only dropped one song in two years he dropped this other song which is like a live performance of this song that he did at the grammys that only i liked like everybody else hated but i liked but he only really dropped one single and that was late at night or late night i think it's called yeah late night and 
that was it. And you didn't see him in social media. You barely saw him as features. I know he was in Donda, which I have not listened to yet, and I do not plan on listening to it. But in terms of, like, music, he wasn't really around. You know what I mean? So it felt weird that, like, that's the strategy that he took. He said, fuck it. I'm not really going to put a lot of music out. I'm not going to even try to stay relevant. I'm not really going to be in the socials. You're not going to hear from me at all until the full album comes out. And even when the full album comes out, the way I'm going to talk, I'm going to promote it is going to be like a month beforehand. And then the week beforehand, put out a teaser trailer of the intro at this point, now that I've listened to the album of the intro, like the, the intro instrumental and song that's going to be, it's the backing, you know, soundtrack to this visuals to promote the album for next week. And then before the album comes out, I'm just going to post the features the collaborators in terms of features and producers. I'm not even going to give you a track list. I'm just going to give you the full album with really one song that you've heard, but not really. Well, yes, you've heard it, but like it came out like seven months ago. You know what I mean? In terms of a single came out a long ass time ago. So, and then he just drops the album and this whole approach. What it told me was just like Roddy. This album better be fucking incredible. This better be one of the best albums of the year if you're treating it like this. Because sometimes when you give something this much hype, which I don't think is bad necessarily, like hyping yourself up or like building it up to a point where some people might say it's unrealistic expectations, you know, I don't mind it because if you can back it up, it makes you look like a fucking genius and people just trust you forever. You know, let me just point at Marvel. Like the fact that they hyped up No Way Home even accidentally, like they ha they've been hyping up that movie for two years and then it delivers. That's something to be admired. People can people will always appreciate somebody calling their greatness and then actually living up to it. Michael Jordan, somebody else who comes to mind of like, I'm going to win this game and then he wins it. Like predicting your own success is hard. So if anybody does it correctly, it stands out. But that's what I was afraid with live life fast. Like, Roddy, you're kind of predicting your own greatness and success a little too, almost prematurely, because you only have, you know, you have some great mixtapes that you put out, and then your first debut album, you know, was great, but I don't know if you're at the point where you can try to pull this move. It felt too, like, ambitious of a move, and now that the album is finally out, unfortunately, it's mixed results. It's, unfortunately, it's, it's a mixed reaction to it. Like, people either love it or hate it. I'm in a camp of, like, I think it's really good, but that's the fucking problem when you hype up an album this much. It doesn't matter if it's really good. If it doesn't live up to the insane expectations you made it up to be, then people are just going to be disappointed, and they were like, ah, oh, this album's not good. Which, in fact, it's not. I think it's a really good album. But it's just not what you made people think it was going to be. In a way, this can apply to Certified Lover Boy, where, like, he was building up to that album for, like, two years. He even had the fucking haircut. You know, people were expecting that album for a long time. He delayed it for, like, eight, nine... He delayed it for nine months and kept building hype throughout that time. And so when the album finally came out and it was, like, okay to good, at the very least, it's, like, okay. I think it's, like, good in that range. People are going to shit all over it. On top of you being the biggest artist in the world. It looks like that's what's happening with Roddy. And I don't like it.
I want people to be like, guys, just stop, stop. Okay, maybe it's not as good as he made it out to be, but let's just look at it for what it is. It's pretty good. I like what he was doing. He did a lot of experimenting. This only he has with Lil Baby moved to Miami. The full, the first full minute, it's just this completely unrelated instrumental to the actual song. But I think it's fire, and I love the tone of sets. But even a lot of people are saying, like, oh, what the fuck is he trying to be creative? It's, it's like you can't win as some of these artists, bro. It's like you either make the same old repetitive shit and people shit on you for that. But as soon as you try to step outside of it, if it doesn't 100% land with them, they're like, look at this motherfucker trying to be all creative and shit. It's like, damn. If he Like, I admire the fact that Roddy was trying to make a no-skip album. And for the most part, I think if you remove all the, like, the interlude songs... Which the fact that the Ty Dollar Sign and Alex fucking Isley song is a fucking interlude boils my blood to no end. I was so excited to listen to a Roddy Rich and Alex Isley song, and the fact that this motherfucker made it 50 seconds after having a a you know a voicemail from Jamie Foxx telling him you gotta slow it down, bro. And then I'm thinking, oh shit, he's about to give us a full on r&b song and then it's a fucking interlude i'm so mad my eyes have been closed for like 30 seconds that's how mad i am but what was my point before i went on that tangent like if yeah i was saying if you remove all the interludes or like the really short songs like bibby's interlude or like the intro or slow it down there were really no skips in that album it's just the songs range from like good they range from okay to like amazing like i think okay would be like uh what is it called? Everything You Changed. I think that's what it's called. That one's like okay to me. And then 25 million is amazing. Or like Thailand has really grown on me. It was only like good and now it's going to amazing for me. All good is like good. Those are like the highlights. Like the song Hibachi, I think is good. Uh, the song with Gunna is good. Like I think there are really no skips on the album if you really stop and think about it. But when people hear no skips, they think every single song is going to be a masterpiece. That's how he treated this album. That's the rollout that he decided to take. And unfortunately, the expectations were just too high. And now people are shitting on it without reason. Like, if he didn't, if he didn't, if his rollout was like similar to the last one, he would drop like three singles and then he just put out the album. I think people would have been like, yeah, this is another great album. But him switching it up and trying to put so much prestige on this album, that's what fucked it up, I think. And him being radio silent for two years also doesn't help if what you come back with is anything less, anything short of incredible, anything short of a masterpiece. But I think he's definitely going to grow on people. I think it's grown on me on like four or five listens I've given it. Like it keeps growing on me. Pause. So I think hopefully in like a month from now, people will forget the expectations that they had coming into it. They'll revisit it and realize it's pretty good. Um, but yeah, those are my thoughts on the, on that Roddy Rich album. It's really good, but you know, compared to him, it's all relative. It's really good. But when you claim it's going to be, when you make it feel like it's going to be a classic, like an instant classic, then, you know, it, it, it doesn't live up to that. And people are disappointed. And now let's talk about, let's move on to another topic I want to talk about is Omicron or Omicron which I dubbed the friendly Pokemon because <laughs> to me that name kind of sounds like a friendly Pokemon, bro. COVID is raking up cases again, racking up. I don't know. Can, can, can you, can, could that be actually, could that actually work? Like raking up 
regardless, is raking up and racking up cases all across the world, but more specifically here in the United States. People are even pondering, maybe we're going to shut down because Omicron is taking fucking lot. Well, actually, actually, that's what's funny. Omicron isn't really killing that many people, but it's definitely giving a lot of people COVID. And I just, I'm just kind of tired of these variants, bro. Let's give a quick, you know, educational lesson just now. The reason all these variants pop up that are less dangerous and high, and, and, and they, they like morph into becoming less, um, you know, less dangerous and more transmittable is because the fucking thing is dying. That's what that means. Like, you know, that's why I'm not fucking scared of no fucking Omicron. It's because the virus is dying. And whenever a virus is almost about to die, they, you know, they, they change and they try to survive. And the way Omicron is surviving right now is saying, fuck it. This shit, if anybody gets it, it's not really going to affect them. It might just give them a, give them like the call for something. But I'm going to make sure every fucking body gets it and give them at least a scare. Like, y'all not taking me out. I'm going to be less effective, but I'm going to fucking get every single one of you. And that's another fun fact about, you know, pandemics and viruses like that is that they don't die out unless everybody gets it. Until everybody gets it, it doesn't die out. So, which means everybody will get it at a certain point. And Omicron is making sure of that. <laughs> um, but I just, I, I'm just not scared of it. And I think people, the people ain't having it. The fact that, you know, you know, No Way Home is about to have a historic opening at the box office. Like the most money any movie has made in the past two years with like the most amount of COVID cases has been in a while shows you that people just do not give a fuck, bro. People care more about Spider-Man right now than they give a fuck about COVID. You know what I mean? And I've been tweeting this for a while. Like, yo, who's going to win? Is it going to be COVID or Spider-Man? And right now, COVID is not even close to beating Spider-Man. It's actually, I actually want to compare that of like, how many people have seen Spider-Man versus how many people have gotten the Omicron variant of COVID in the past, like <laughs> the past weekend. I want somebody to give me those stats because that's maybe how we're going to determine who wins. I have a feeling Spider-Man is willing. Is Maybe Omicron is winning right now, but I bet you by the end of the week, Spider-Man is going to be winning. More people would have seen Spider-Man than would have gotten the COVID, the, the Omicron COVID variant. Yeah, that was just a quick little rant I, w I wanted to get on. People don't care. People are not scared of Omicron, bro. Nobody cares. Nobody gives a fuck. Nobody wants to get shut down. People are tired of COVID. At this point, it's like it's almost like a moral decision of like uh, people for, for by and large, people have said, especially because a lot of people have gotten to COVID, myself included. People are just like. It is what it is, bro. I just want to live my life. And, you know, I can't I can't you know, I can't blame anybody that does that. All right, let's move on to the next topic. And this is actually a very funny one that I almost skipped. But I think this came out today, actually. Oh, it did. Uh, by the time I'm recording, I'm recording this on Friday the 17th. Obama put out his list of favorite songs of the year. <laughs> and, bro, whoever picks these songs for Obama every single year, like, he does this with movies, books, you know, in, in songs. Like, whoever does this for Obama has taste, bro. Whoever does this for Obama, make sure that everybody's like, yo, Obama is the coolest motherfucker on earth. I can't believe he listens to blank when he probably doesn't, but whoever picks the songs for him is a fucking need to raise expeditiously. But I want to go over all these songs. There's a good amount. Is he like he 
for everything else, for like movies and shows and shit, he has them on one like list. But he has like two lists of like songs that he likes. So I want to go by every single one and see if I know them and see if like, I don't know. I'll see if I know the songs and if Obama would truly listen to them going one by one. Let's start with Mitski. Obama's not fucking listening to Mitski, bro. Do they think we're, we're, we're dumb? I almost dropped the R word, but I'm trying not to use it because I know people who, you know, really care about that. So I'm not going to say it anymore. But of course, we're not fucking dumb, Obama. You're not listening to Mitski, bro. I don't care how like cool and hip you think you are. You're not listening to Mitski. I listen to Mitski, bro. I'm the only guy that listened to Mitski. I did a reaction to that song and nobody fucking watched it. But whatever. You know what I mean? I, I listen to Mitski, bro. Okay? Get like me. <laughs> Alright, the war on drugs featuring Lucius. I don't live here anymore. This is what makes me even more mad. Because I feel like whoever picks these songs also tries to include some songs that nobody would ever fucking know. Maybe some people may know who the fuck the war on drugs is and who Lucius is. And I've heard this song and be like, yo, that's crazy. But it's very niche. Like, that's what the fuck whoever picks these songs does. They go to the niches, the most niche groups of music possible. And picks the song that is cool with with them and drops it on this fucking list. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, yeah, I don't know who the fuck the war on drugs are. I don't live here anymore. Haven't heard it. And the fact that they're on Obama's list doesn't really make me listen to it. So, oh, that's another thing. Have we considered that there may be artists that pay Obama a good amount of money to be like, "Yo, Obama, can you put my shit on your list?" I know you don't listen or listen or watch any of this shit anyway or read any of this shit anyway. Just put that shit in there. I'll give you the bread. Just do it. I think it's going to give it a lot of exposure. And every year it does. Every year everybody's talking about, what the fuck is this song? Sorry, I got distracted. One of the tweets to Obama putting out this list of somebody saying, One of your picks is an Ethiopian song recently released as a battle cry to ignite our nation as we face attacks from U.S. and its allies. Majority of East Africans voted for you and Biden. We feel betrayed and will fight until our last breath to defend our country from U.S. intervention. <laughs> I mean, that tells you all you need to know. Obama doesn't know what the fuck is going on with any of these songs. One of the songs, this person basically said, one of the songs that Obama chose is literally against them. He doesn't fucking know. He doesn't pick any of this shit. But whatever, we move. Next song, Mdu Maktar Tala Tanam. Bro, if you wanna, if you with a straight face wanna tell me Obama listens to any of these songs, you're gonna lose your breath because there's no fucking way. All right, moving on. Adia Victoria Magnolia Blues. Has blues in the title. I could see him listening to some blues. Next song, Duran Jones and the Indications of Aaron. What the fuck is this title? I mean, what are these people's names? Like, people are just running out of names to be an artist. Duran Jones and the Indications and Aaron Frazier. Which you? Might be like a folk song or something. I don't know. That sounds like something Obama will listen to. Obama would now listen to Mitski. He may listen to the war on drugs. I don't know what the fuck that is. M. Du Mokhtar, no fucking way. Adia Victoria, Magnolia Blues. Yeah, he would. Duran Jones, Witch Shoe. Probably. I don't know what it is, but he might. Esperanza Spalding. That name sounds very familiar, but I've never heard her music. 
from what so i mean that's probably like a legacy artist so i'm sure he listens to that genesis owusu go chains i could see i'm listening to that sounds like a cool song never heard it just sounds like it's cool brandy carlisle broken horses he's definitely heard some brandy carlisle she won a grammy so i'm sure obama will listen to a song that, will, that won a grammy little sims featuring cleo soul woman probably he probably he may have I don't. I, that one doesn't seem too far fetched. Faruco Pepas. I mean, what the fuck is Obama with putting Spanish music on his list, bro? You don't listen to Spanish music since when? You're not fucking Vin Diesel. If Vin Diesel put out a list, he probably would have listened to Pepas, because <laughs> he put. I mean, I'm pretty sure he put Faruco in a Fast and Furious movie. I know he put, you know, Don Omar and like he's put a lot of Puerto Rican artists in his movies, but. So if this was Vin Diesel, Vin Diesel would definitely would have heard that song. Obama, you have not heard that shit. Spice featuring Sean Paul and Shaggy, Go Down Duh. Yeah, I mean, if, I, yeah, why wouldn't Obama listen to a Sean Paul and Shaggy song? That makes perfect sense. This is generation, probably. John Batiste, Freedom. I mean, he has the word freedom in the title. As an ex-president, you just have to hear songs like that, I'm sure. Why Oak is Way With Me? I don't know what that is. But something in my gut tells me he has not listened to the song. Just listen, I'm just following my gut here. Nas featuring Lauren Hill, Miss Lauren Hill, nobody. Yeah. Obama, I'm sure Obama listened to Nas growing up, so I could see him listening to that new Nas album. Allison Russell, Nightflyer. That sounds like the most basic artist name and most basic song name. So yeah, I say yeah, he heard that one. Lil Nas X Montero, Call Me by Your Name. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure he's heard it. Is it his favorite song? Yeah, I think so. I, I could see it. I could see it. A lot of people don't want to admit it, but that song is a fucking banger. Like, a lot of men don't want to admit that shit. Because, obviously, the video and who Lil Nas X is. But that shit is a fucking banger. So, I believe you, Obama. I believe you've heard that song. Okay, another Spanish song. Obama, you're not fucking Vin Diesel, bro. You have not heard Patria y Vida from a shit ton of Spanish artists. Mainly Gente de Zona. You have not heard this, bro. Sorry. Tammy Lackis. Notice. I don't know if he should be listening to an artist that has two Ks in his in their name. That's dangerous. That seems risky. So I don't know. I say probably because that sounds like a country song. That sounds like a country artist and country song. Not because of the two Ks, but not, not because of the two Ks in the name. Teddy Afro. I mean... Arm Ash. Didn't Obama have an afro at a certain point? That alone makes it like, oh yeah, he definitely heard this song. Corny Barnett, write a list of things to look forward to. The fuck kind of title for a song is that? It's the corniest title I've ever seen in my fucking life. What is this? It sounds like a fucking step one of a, you know, self-help article on BuzzFeed. Write a list of things to look forward to. Chill the fuck is that get out of here bro if i see that shit pop up on my apple music now i will skip that shit so fast i would not want to listen to that shit but i'm sure obama has because he probably does it he probably read the title and was just like oh yeah i do this all the time i'll listen to this song and they became his favorite <laughs> every time he listens to the song it's like yeah let me do that right now that's the kind of person that i think obama is he hears a song called write a list of things to look forward to and then he actually does it <laughs> Uh, Aventura and Bad Bunny, Volvi. No, stop trying to be Vin Diesel, bro. 
Vin Diesel's the one that fucks with Dominicans and just Hispanic people in general. You don't. What would make anybody think he fucks with like Spanish music? Other than whoever picked these songs be like, we gotta make you seem cool with the Hispanics, bro. I mean, he kind of did win because of the Hispanic vote in a lot of ways. Mainly the black vote, but the Hispanics definitely helped. So maybe he's just trying to piece that crowd. Who knows? Isaiah Rashad headshots for the locals. This is kind of like a cool pick that I'm not 100% sure he has listened to, but I wouldn't doubt it. I could see him hearing it because it's very like uh, jazzy and like just a chill vibe. So I could see him listening to that. Yeba Boomerang? No. No. Obama is not listening to Yeba. Most people are not fucking listening to Yeba. A lot of people heard Yeba's interlude in Certified Lover Boy and didn't think about her again. To be honest, I mean, most people don't even know that Yeba's white. It's like a white kind of, you know, like a, a chunky white girl. Most people probably don't know that based on her singing on Certified Lover Boy. So the fact that Obama put, or whoever picked this song, put it here, tells me that they don't know that she's white. I bet you, whoever chose this song, if you tell Obama, Obama, do you know who Yeba is? And why do you like that song Boomerang by her? She's going to be like, oh, yeah, she's a great, talented, young, you know, young black lady. They're like, Obama, she's actually white and chunky. He's like, what? <laughs> You'll catch him in a lie if you ask him, hey, Obama, what does Yeba look like? He wouldn't be able to answer. Mode 3 and Moray in my blood. I don't know. That's a hard one. I think he, yeah. I don't know. Something, I don't, I'm conflicted because he, I'll say yes, because I do think he actually, in terms of, you know, you see all these fucking wild, random-ass songs. I think he does listen to the hip-hop ones. Yendry, yeah, I have literally zero idea. I have no gut feeling. I'll say yes. No, I'll say no, because the way it's spelled. That spelling is fucking weird. It would prevent anybody to listening to this person's music. And I think that's... Why is it backwards? The fucking N is backwards? How do you style... How do you type that on Apple Music? How do you put Yendry with the N backwards on Spotify or Apple Music? Regardless, I don't think Obama listens to that song. Lizzo featuring Cardi B, Rumors. I could see it. I'm sure Obama's even friends with Lizzo. I wouldn't be surprised. And Parquet Courts... Walking at a downtown pace. It sounds like a fucking, like a jazz song. So I'll say, yeah, he listens to that. All right, finally, I was able to get through this list. And that's going to be the end for this episode. This was a fun episode. At first, when I first started this episode, I didn't have a lot of energy. Or not when I first started it. Before I started the episode, I was just like, damn, I have to do the podcast. I don't know if I have the energy. And then, boom, it's a great episode. A lot of funny moments. Yeah, I just I just really enjoyed listening to this episode. And once again, it is my fucking birthday. That's right. Thank you guys so much. It is my birthday. I turned 22. And what best way to end this episode, episode 153, then of the Empty Podcast with the Ozolati Polanco, then by playing the song 22 by Taylor Swift, the fucking anthem for anybody who's ever turned 22. Uh, so I'm going to play that right now. 
Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode, and I'll catch you guys next week for a very special episode and last episode of the year of the Empty Opinions Podcast. I promise it's going to be really fun. It's going to take me like about a week to really do. It's not just going to be talking, just sitting down. It's going to be something special, and I'm going to really go ham this next week to fucking finish it and put the finishing touches on it or just to get started in the first place. But I think it's going to be a cool way to end the year, and I want to make it a yearly tradition. So stay tuned for that. But until then, let's play some Taylor Swift. It feels like a perfect night to dress up like hipsters and make fun of our exes. Uh -uh, uh -uh. It feels like a perfect night for breakfast at midnight to fall in love with strangers. Uh -uh, uh -uh. Yeah, we're happy free lonely at the same time it's miserable and magical oh yeah tonight's the night when we forget about the deadlines it's time uh oh i don't know about you but i'm feeling 22 everything will be alright if you keep me next to you you don't know about me but i'll bet you won't the whole